Good morning, Peachtree Church. I add my greetings to you and my well wishes that your July 4th holiday is restful and renewing and pleasant for you. The New York Times columnist David Brooks shares some interesting statistics. He said that 94% of college professors believe that their teaching skills are above average. 70% of high school students believe that their leadership skills are above average, and only 2% say that they're below average. Now, I don't know how much you remember from that statistics course a long time ago, but on that bell-shaped curve and the line right down the middle, that's average. And you can't have 94% or 70% above average. We like to make ourselves look better but certainly by being better than someone else, by comparing ourselves to someone else. We do that in all sorts of things. How do you stack up? Are you better than that person or worse than that person? And what is an authentic assessment? But more importantly, what is an authentic assessment as we stand before God in terms of where we are in our spirit where we are in our lives. We're going to look this morning at two men who prayed two prayers and experienced two results. The story is a parable that Jesus told, and it comes to us from Luke chapter 18. Let's take a look here at this parable. To some who were confident of their own righteousness— and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get but the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted." So let's look at this parable and at the interesting twist. And let's look first at these two men. The first one is the Pharisee. Now, some of us maybe have been taught to think of the Pharisee as the bad guy. You know, the Pharisees were the ones opposed to Jesus, the ones who were constantly blocking his ministry. But in the first century in Palestine, the Pharisee would have been an extremely influential and well-respected man. The Pharisees built synagogues. The Pharisees taught the scriptures. The Pharisees were responsible for the moral integrity of the nation. In fact, while the world powers all around them were making all sorts of changes, it was the Pharisees that helped the Jews to maintain their identity as the people of God and teach the the scriptures to their children and to live these moral and upright lives. But the tax collector, 
He was the worst kind of sinner because he was a legal sinner, a legal crook. You see, Rome sold the right to collect taxes to people. And so someone would buy the right to levy taxes on their town. And Rome didn't care how much they collected as long as they paid the amount Rome asked for, then the tax collector could keep anything and everything over that. So they taxed the people heavily and it was all legal. They got rich by conspiring with the enemy on the backs of their own countrymen. They were lying, cheating, stealers who worked for the enemy. So Jesus begins this story with these two men. The Pharisee, a morally upright and good man, and the tax collector, a cheating crook. I read that someone wrote and they said, if these two men were running for office, you would do everything you could to get the Pharisee elected because you don't want that cheating tax collector in there. If these two men came to apply for a job with your business, you'd give the job to the Pharisee. He's the moral, upright one that you can trust, not that awful tax collector. These men come and they each pray. Let's take a look at the two prayers that they offer. The Pharisee correctly points out that he's not a sinner. He was not an adulterer. He was not a murderer. He didn't lie and cheat. He didn't do wrong things. He faithfully tithed and gave money. You know, we, we like to judge others. We often judge others by standards that we wouldn't want applied to ourselves because that makes us feel good. It gives us a sense of pride. But there's a problem with pride. Paul Powell writes and he says, pride is so subtle that if we aren't careful, we'll be proud of our humility. When this happens, our goodness becomes badness. Our virtues become vices. We can easily become like the Sunday school teacher who having told the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector said, children, let's bow our heads and thank God that we're not like the Pharisee. It's a subtle humorous shift, but it can make us also prideful about it. And we might pray a similar prideful prayer. What might we say? God, I thank you that I'm not like that guy with all the tattoos and the piercings who doesn't respect his body. God, I thank you that I'm not like that person who can't hold a job and is just a drain on society. God, I thank you that I'm not like that illegal immigrant who comes and steals jobs. God, I thank you that I'm not like those LGBTQ people who are destroying the moral fabric of our culture. We compare ourselves to others and think that we're better. And then we thank God for that with pride. And here's the problem. The Pharisee thought he was better. And the problem is is that when we think we have all of that, when we think that we have it all together and that we're better than others, then we don't need God. There's no place for God in our lives because we've got it all together compared to those people. What about the prayer 
of the tax collector. Jesus says that he just stood off at a distance. He couldn't even come all the way in. He looked down at the ground. He couldn't look up to God and he beat his breast. That would have been a sign of his remorse and his repentance. And he just repeated, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Well, these two men prayed two prayers. And in the parable that Jesus told, there were two results. Let's look first at the result for the Pharisee. He prayed the more dignified prayer. He prayed the more uh, wordy and, and, and well uh, put together prayer. And he went home satisfied. He went home pleased with himself, but he did not go home better in the eyes of God. But Jesus said, the tax collector, he went home justified. Justified is a term that means made right before God, made whole and pure before God. And Jesus said it was the tax collector that went home justified. Let's look at this. Let's talk about it for a minute. The Pharisee was doing all the right things. The Pharisee was doing good things. He was doing good things for the people of Israel and for his country. But Jesus wasn't comparing what they were doing. If he was comparing what they were doing, then the Pharisee would win, hands down. What he was doing was far better than the tax collector. Jesus didn't compare what they were doing. Jesus compared their prayers. And more importantly, he compared their hearts, where their prayer came from. It was a bearing of their hearts before God. And this is how one commentator put it. They said the Pharisee came with a heart full of pride and went home a sinner. The tax collector came with a heart full of humility and went home justified. You know, we say things like, well, I'm not Hitler. I'm not in prison. I've never murdered anyone. We compare ourselves to make ourselves look better than others, but we don't ever say, I'm not as good as Mr. Rogers or Mother Teresa, these morally upstanding people. We don't wanna be held to that standard, but we make sure that it's clear, well, I'm not like those people. But you see, that's comparative righteousness. And what comparative righteousness forgets is that God is not comparing us to other people. God isn't measuring you over and against other people. God is measuring us, comparing us to himself. And by that standard, we all fall short. None of us measures up to that level of holiness. 
But you see, salvation is not found in comparative righteousness. Salvation is found in the grace of God as we come to him in faith. That's why the tax collector goes home justified. This Roman-loving, money-grubbing, cheating tax collector who prayed an authentic prayer, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. The sacrifice has been made. We owed a price and Jesus paid it. God so loved the world that he gave his son to die in our place and to be raised to new life and give to us his righteousness that we are not capable of achieving on our own. So there's not this sense of comparing ourselves with others. There's just a raw honesty that says, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. You know, in his letter to 1 Timothy, Paul wrote and he said, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. This is Paul, the great leader of the church in the first century, the man who wrote the majority of our New Testament saying, I am the chief of sinners. All of us need mercy. All of us need forgiveness. We need mercy too. We can't justify ourselves before God. We can't do enough things. You can't go to church enough times. You can't read your Bible enough. You can't give your money enough to say, well, now I'm better than these others and therefore God will save me. In fact, the greatest saint in all the church who's walked with Jesus all her life is as much a sinner in need of grace as that person who's never ever considered God before. We are all sinners. And one of the things that's true is that as we mature in our faith, we become more aware of our shadow side and our need for the forgiveness of God through Jesus Christ. Humility comes from looking straight into the face of God and seeing his loving holiness and recognizing our own sinfulness and crying out, just like that tax collector, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. You know, when I was on the mission field in North Africa, I was doing some training. I was doing some reading by a person who worked with the people and the, the religion, the Muslim people from there. And he told a similar story. Let me tell you how he told it to this group of, of Muslims. Two men went to the mosque to pray. One was a moral, upright citizen. He knew exactly what to do. He perfectly performed the ablutions, washing his hands and washing his feet. And when he went inside the mosque, he knew where to stand and when to kneel and when to lie prostrate. But while he was reciting those prayers, his mind began to wander. And he thought about his neighbor. He thought about his neighbor's wife and 
what it might be like. And he was saying the prayers because he had them memorized, but his mind and his heart were elsewhere. But another man came into the mosque. He'd never been there before. He didn't know the ablutions. He didn't know the ritual. He didn't know where to stand. He didn't know when to kneel. And so he just stood off in a corner and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Now, which one was right in the eyes of God? And in this Muslim audience, every single one said, the first one because the religion is all about value performance, about doing the right things. But as Christians, it's about having authentic hearts before God. In my morning devotions, right now I'm slowly working my way through the Gospel of Matthew and praying for God to help me live that scripture and, and understand it in my daily life. And a couple weeks ago, I was in Matthew chapter 15. In Matthew chapter 15, a group of Pharisees, ironically, come to Jesus and they complain about him and his disciples. They don't wash their hands right and they don't wash their plates and utensils the right way. And Jesus says, you know what? You people are exactly what Isaiah prophesied about. In Isaiah 29, he prophesies, and Jesus quotes it here in Matthew 15, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They honor me with their lips. They're saying the right things, but their hearts are far from me. I don't want to just go through the motions. I don't want to just try to say the right things. I want my heart to be in the right place because it's not based on my skill or my ability. It's definitely not based on my comparison to other people, how many I'm better than or how many I'm worse, worse than. It's based on our heart. So do you want to know the most authentic prayer you can ever pray? The most authentic prayer you can ever pray is this. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And so, friends, I invite us every day to start our day at the foot of the cross. When we go to the cross, we gain two things. We gain perspective. We see what God has done, the price he paid on our behalf in giving us his son to die for our sins. We gain perspective and we gain position. We understand who we are as sinners in relationship to a holy and loving God. And as we get that perspective and that position, we say, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Let's pray that prayer together. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Forgive our sins. We thank you for the cross and the blood that was shed 
so that we could forever know you and love you, not comparing ourselves to others, but that through the cross, we're made right with you. And for that, we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.